Charles Darwin's theory of natural selection states that the traits passed on are those with positive attributes for their environment. So what was Hollywood thinking when they adapted Catching Fire? Welcome to Unnatural Selection, a podcast about the film adaptations of books, the weird decisions Hollywood makes in the process, what makes an adaptation good, faithful, and less commonly, good and faithful. I'm your host, Emma. I use any pronouns. And today I am joined by Andrew. Andrew, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, I'm Andrew. I'm the boy on fire. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. I am one of the heads of the Moonshot Podcast Network. Uh, and uh, more specifically, I am the co-host of the Argonauts podcast, as well as the podcast Minds There, but for the grace of pod, go we. Uh, and I also host Mild Mannered, a uh, MILF Manor recap podcast with my own mom. Fantastic. All great shows, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, you mentioned being the boy on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what are we reading today? Oh, we are talking about uh, Catching Fire, the second uh, Hunger Games movie uh, and book. Um, uh, everyone's favorite podcast topic is the middle one of a trilogy, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Easiest Duh. to really dig into? <laughs> yeah, so easy to just dive right into it and not have to address any of the things that bothered me in the first book or movie along the way as they continue into the second one. <laughs> <laughs> We'll do an episode on Hunger Games eventually, but you'll get a little preview of it this time. Yeah, well, this is uh, the the weird thing. I uh, I'm new to the Hunger Games. I um, over this past winter, I I've watched all the movies, and then you were looking for someone to co-host uh, an episode or to, to guest on an episode, and I said, sure, I could read one of the Hunger Games. We could do the first one, but I didn't like that one too much. Catching Fire, there's more to talk about. So we're going to go, I guess, jump in with the second one. <laughs> so I've only, I've only read um, two, the, the second of the four books. That's the only Hunger Games book I've read. I definitely had a moment when I was rereading Catching Fire where I was like, wow, Andrew hasn't read Hunger Games. Is this going to make any sense in this section? So I will say, um, my, my, my wife just reread all of them. And so as we were watching, she kind of piped in and said like, oh, this is different from the book. This is different from this. Cause she wanted to revisit them for the prequel that just came out. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of caught up on a couple things that I'd missed, um, as I was doing that, but I did have a moment when I was reading and I kind of turned to her and I was like, did PETA lose a leg? Because they don't mention it in the movies, but apparently PETA loses a leg in the first one, and they reference his artificial leg at some point. And I was <laughs> like, who the hell has an artificial leg? Yep, that is one of the big ones. <laughs> <laughs> just was not in the budget to make a fake prosthetic leg, so they yeah. just didn't amputate it in the first one. <laughs> So a, a lot of little things that I was just kind of like, I'm sure this is something that I would know about if I read the book, but 
Uh, nope, I did the classic jumping in with the second one. I mean, I have done that with more series than I would like to admit. <laughs> there have been I... a few times where like, I've read a book and been like, oh, I wish they'd gone into more detail about this thing that they mentioned offhand and then realized I'm reading a sequel and all the questions I have are the plot of the first book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they kept, as I was reading the book, I was like, they keep mentioning these Hunger Game things. What is that? <laughs> I, I feel like they would have made a book about that. Yeah, you'd think, right? No, I'm realizing I did the same thing with Twilight. I only read the second Twilight book, too. Oh, uh, man. Because I was on vacation and someone had it. And I was like, uh, screw it, I'll read it. Maybe I just do this with YA series. This is my Maybe this is my thing now. Yeah, because, I mean, I did that as a kid. I distinctly remember, like, summer before fourth grade reading the second Maxima Bride book <laughs> and being like, this is cool. I need more context for this. <laughs> so that's the way to do it. It sounds like the new meta has established itself. <laughs> Who needs a first book? It's just exposition. You'll pick it up through context clues. Exactly. It'll be fine. I'm excited to get into this because I remember when these movies were... It was interesting, like, finishing Catching Fire about half, a, half an hour before watching Catching Fire this time around. <laughs> because, like, when I read the books, I read, the, I read Hunger Games and Catching Fire in rapid succession right before the Hunger Games movie came out. Okay. Um, Mockingjay was not out at the time. I can't remember if Catching, Catching Fire was out by then maybe we had hold on i have to google something real quick <laughs> i i i feel like talking to my wife as we were watching uh i feel like the hunger games they adapted into a movie with a little bit of extra knowledge of what was coming next in this series because sam was yes. saying that a couple things were like oh they've highlighted a couple things they pick back up on in the second one in a way that if i were just at uh, just adapting the first book one to one i probably wouldn't keep those scenes in but they do yes. inform like everything as it moves forward. So I do think that that was out by the time that, or they just talked to Suzanne yes, yes, and was yes. just like, Hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah. All the, all the books were out at the time. Oh, all of them were interesting. Okay. Yes. By the time the first movie came out, because Mockingjay came out in 2010 and the first movie came out in 2012. Hmm. Okay. So maybe I read them a little, did I must have read them? Maybe like a little bit earlier than that i already knew about them because my mom was really into them because she got advanced copies <laughs> <laughs> which is why i had to wait until i got back from christmas to get a copy from the library because my mom said no this is an advanced copy you cannot take this back to baltimore with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember like these these books came out right as i was i i guess i, I was in high school yeah, you said that the third one came out in 2010. That's the year that I graduated. Mm -hmm. So I was in high school and it was the point where I was just like, I'm too cool for young adult stuff. I don't need to do this. I also was like into anime and stuff. So I had read Battle Royale and then they were like, here's a YA Battle Royale book. And I was like, I've read the real one. I'm good. Uh, so I was always a little like particular about them. And then it wasn't until recently that I was like, you know what? I've always given these books too bad of a rap. Let's let's go back and revisit them and actually find out what people are talking about. Yeah, I was in middle school at the time that they were really big, which is like the prime time to be into mm -hmm. YA. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, my mom had read them before everyone else, and I remember her not letting me read it until I was 12. <laughs> because she was like, no, 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 this is a lot to process, kids, so you have to at least be as old as the tributes to read this. <laughs> <laughs> One of those, it's the Katniss Everdeen equivalent of like, if my son's old enough to go to war, he can drink a beer in your establishment, except it's for reading a book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so with our, our experiences with the Hunger Games caught up, let's, uh, let's get into it. So we're going to start off, I'm just going to read a quick synopsis of the book and a synopsis of the movie. We'll see if they are wildly different from each other or close to the same. It's <laughs> always... Good. It's always a a guessing game. (laughs) So our synopsis of the book is, Catching Fire is a 2009 dystopian young adult fiction novel by the American novelist Suzanne Collins, the second book in the Hunger Games series. As the sequel to the 2008 bestseller The Hunger Games, it continues the story of Katniss Everdeen and the post-apocalyptic nation of Panem. Following the events of the previous novel, a rebellion against the oppressive capital has begun, and Katniss and fellow tribute Peter Malark are forced to return to the arena in a special edition of the Hunger Games. Checks out. Checks out. Makes sense. I read it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here is the synopsis of the movie. After arriving safely home from their unprecedented victory in the 74th annual Hunger Games, Katniss Everdeen and Peter Malark discover that they must do a quick turnaround and begin a victor's tour. As she and Peter travel throughout the districts, Katniss senses a rebellion is stirring. However, President Snow proves that he is still very much in control when word comes of a cruel change in the rules for the upcoming 75th Hunger Games. Which is, like, sort of right. Yeah. <laughs> sort of what happens. It's based, it's more, you, you filed more off less. a lot of the edges, but yeah, it, that happened. Yeah. It gives a slightly different connotation for some of the things. <laughs> I love the discover that they must do a victor's tour as though it's not a thing that has happened with the victors for the last 74 years. I Yeah, I feel like a lot of the writing in the book tends to be like, well, as we know, the Hunger Games have been like this. And in the movies, they're just like, we got to show it to people for the first time. So it's a lot fresher, it feels like, when they're going over things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is like an interesting difference in the interiority and like detail we get about the games and the capital and the districts and how it affects them, whereas it's very much more of an overview in the movies. Yeah, I was when I when I picked up the book, I was really surprised to learn that it's a first person book. Uh, I, I the movies aren't focused on Katniss's interiority or her thoughts in the way that a lot of books tend to be, I feel, when they are adapted from a first person. It seems to be a lot more plot-based and just like A happens, then B happens, then C happens, to the point that I assumed that it would be a third-person take in the book as well. So I was surprised at how much, like, just directly from her thoughts, her memories that we got as we were reading this. And I do think that that's one of the biggest differences between the two. But the way that Absolutely. movies are kind of, I don't know, inherently third person. Yeah, it's a really, I mean, we'll get into it. But <laughs> <laughs> um, for, for those uh, of our listeners uh, who have not read Catching Fire or may need a refresher or are just ready to dive in, maybe have read The Hunger Games and are ready for a summary of the second book. 
<laughs> before moving on to the third. Uh, would you like to give us a, a little plot summary of what happens in this book, Andrew? Oh, you're asking a dangerous question of, can I remember a book I read three days ago? <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, you know what? I'll I'll do one better. Uh, the Hunger Games is about a fight in an arena where Katniss is a, is chosen along with Peter Malark to go and fight in the Hunger Games, a a dystopian uh, battle arena that is broadcasted out to everyone in the capital, where people can watch people fight to the death. And in the end, Katniss wins and does a a. She wins alongside PETA. I believe the first time that two people have won the Hunger Games because they essentially say, you know what, we have these poison berries. We're just going to take these instead of one of us killing the other. Um, and instead, the Capitol's like, actually, our audience really likes you. You're polling really well. Viewership's up. Uh, we're not going to let you do that. We're going to let you be our victors together. And so... They both win the Hunger Games together. This book opens with uh, the two of them going on, uh, discovering that they have to go on the, the Victor's Tour, <laughs> where they are basically going to each of the different districts in the world to give a little speech saying, sorry, I had to kill your kid. Um, deuces. It was necessary because the Hunger Games are necessary. They have to go on a propaganda tour together. Katniss is held in check by the fact that uh, the president of Panem visits her and is like, I know that you don't actually love PETA. You actually love the neighbor boy, Gale. And I'm going to kill Gale if you can't quash the idea of rebellion that you inexplicably started when you decided to eat the like to to threaten to eat the berries and not submit to the will of the capital to end the hunger games these are books that are very much care about metaphors in the way that only writers do um because everyone talks about how the big metaphorical thing that these characters do is so vast and so important that the citizens will rise up. And I'm like, I don't think people look for metaphor in their daily life. <laughs> but you know what? It's fine. Everyone believes this. So they go on a whirlwind tour to, 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 for Katniss to prove that uh, Pete is in love with her and she's in love with him and everything's going to be great. Uh, and also to help quell rebellion by trying to establish order and peace. Uh, this goes poorly. Uh, some of the districts, after they give their speech, uh, because PETA and Katniss are too lovable and um, are just inspiring figures, some of them seem to be breaking out into uh, riots on their own as, as their speeches are going. The victors thing doesn't go as the way they want it to. Uh, they end up back at District 12, which... As I'm sitting here thinking about it, I don't remember what the exact inciting incident for District 12 kind of falling into a more heightened police state is, but something happens that kicks it into a more heightened police state. Do you remember what I'm, what kicked things um, off there? 
it mostly just starts when they get back from the victor's tour so i think the implication is that like they're getting ready for the quarter quell they are trying to keep district 12 and katniss in line because they're trying to keep all the districts in line sure okay okay um then yeah uh that is happening katniss at this point witnesses an act of police brutality as the new peacekeeper in charge of their place uh, beats Gale, who is the the other boy in the forced love triangle of this series, and who's her her childhood friend, all grown up. They take care of each other's families. Uh, he's the he's the hunky one played by uh, the younger um, Hemsworth in the film. She sees these acts and she decides actually. Uh, the capital sucks. We should rebel against the government of Panem. This is uh, reinforced when she goes out into the woods one day to do her hunts like she normally does. And she runs into two people who have left the district. Uh, they, they are from District 8 and they say, we're going to District 13. Katniss says District 13 doesn't exist. Uh, it never it, it used to exist, but they bombed it. Uh, they say, actually, we think that our police, we think that the news footage is all wrong. We're going to go find it. We're going to join. It's going to be, we're going to make a rebellion. It's going to be great. This plants a seed for later as they are led by the Mockingjay symbol that Katniss has had on her recurring motif on everything that she does. From there, they then receive the news that we're in a Hunger Games sequel. And... They got to do another Hunger Games. It is time for the quarter quell. <laughs> Every 25 years, they have to do a special edition of the Hunger Games. This year's edition is that uh, victors are going to be taken and put into a Hunger Games. And so PETA and Katniss uh, have to go back to the capital. They do the same kind of thing that they did in the beginning, where in the first one, it was a lot of, we have to do a media tour about high we want sponsors in the games. We want people to like us. We're we're putting on an act to show off who we are. This time, it's the vibe is different. Everyone involved in the Hunger Games is a winner of a past game. And so they have much more complicated feelings about going into the games as a whole. And so uh, they're much more focused on like, hey, isn't the Hunger Games kind of fucked? Wouldn't it be good if we as society didn't do a Hunger Games? They're trying to bring this out into the people and the populace as a whole. I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm missing before they go into the Hunger Games again. That feels like the the big thing, other than like the specific detail of Katniss and Peeta still have to pretend to be in love, and in order to heighten this, they announce that they're getting married. Yeah, <laughs> they, all they... the fake wedding stuff. Uh, and then Peta drops the baby bomb. Yes, Peta drops a bomb that like, well, this Hunger King Games is going to suck since since Katniss is pregnant with the baby. Incredible that stuff. That kid comes out swinging every time he's up at a microphone. <laughs> uh, they, they go into the Hunger Games again for the quarter quell. It is, we can get granular, but they realize that like it's all in the shape of a clock. And everyone is more working together in these Hunger Games. There are there are a couple groups of people that are still fighting everyone that are kind of the the on the more career track from the uh, lower number districts. But everyone else seems to be kind of teaming together to do something. Um, nobody really knows, and frankly, I don't think that Suzanne Collins knows what they're doing either. 
But they are working together to do a thing to stop the Hunger Games. In the end, it looks like people have betrayed each other and that their alliance is, fiddle is fizzling out. But instead, Katniss uh, is able to use a trap that is in the arena of a tree that gets hit by lightning alongside a weapon that one of the other uh, competitors has had smuggled into the arena for him, which is a, a line of electrical wire that he invented that's high capacity, in order to fire an arrow that blows a hole in the force field for the Hunger Games itself, kind of break, trying to break out of the Hunger Games. There's a big explosion. Katniss gets knocked out. She gets picked up by a hovercraft, like all the bodies do at the end when they die in the games. On that craft, she discovers that Hamish, who I somehow haven't mentioned this entire recap, uh, Hamish is there. He uh, has been working alongside Plutarch, who I also haven't mentioned, who is the person that is that is designing the games and running the games this year. And it turns out they are leading a rebellion against the Capitol and the Hunger Games itself. Uh, alongside some of the other um, the other victors, the other competitors, uh, Katniss had to be kept in the dark because the book would be less exciting if she wasn't. I think is really the reason, but they give a reason. <laughs> and yeah, from there we learn that unfortunately, District Twelve has been destroyed the moment that uh, Katniss fought back against the system in these Hunger Games. And from there, we look toward the future in Mockingjay. There we go. That's a that's catching happens. fire, baby. The, there's a lot that happens in this book, so I understand that a lot of things have to be cut in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but, yeah, I, as I was reading, I was kind of like, yeah, most of this is like pretty intact, except for some little things. There's one big thing that I don't like that they cut, but we can get into that as we go through. I'm excited to hear what that is. The like best way to describe like what the movie prioritizes over what the book does is that like over half of the movie is the quarter quell games. Mm-hmm. And they don't even like get to the arena. Or, yeah, they don't get to the arena until, like, a hundred pages from the end of the book. Yeah, I was really surprised when I was, as I was reading, and I was just like, we've got 60 pages, and we finally hit go, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, they, the, I, it really feels like the movie, and, and uh, I haven't read the two on either side. Um, well, this, the, the last one's kind of weird, but I haven't read the first one. And maybe the first one is a little bit more like this, but um, the the movie is definitely a movie about a girl who has to go back into the Hunger Games, and the book is about Katniss's life post Hunger Games, which happens to include a quarter quell. Yes, yeah, the movie is about a girl who has to go back into the Hunger Games. Oh. The book is about a girl post-Hunger Games reckoning with the fact that she has become a symbol for rebellion by accident and then having to go back into the games. Mm-hmm. These, the, I, I will say, this book and these movies are frustrating to me because everything that happens to Katniss happens by accident. 
And so yes. it's really hard. I, I feel that way about, I'm probably dismissing the genre as a whole, but I feel like that happens a lot in, in like YA stuff where I read, where it's just like, oh, there's a lot of stuff where things are happening to a person, but not a lot of agency here. It's just a person, especially here, it's just like Katniss has to do all these things that she doesn't want to do and doesn't have any agency in the facts as she does them. And then stuff happens and she goes, well, that sucked. And then moves yeah. on. Which I do think works way better in the books than it does in the movie because we get Katniss's interiority this whole time. Mm -hmm. We get her stance from the start of like, no, I don't even want to think about dating or getting married. This does not matter to me. People are starving. Right. So the, it's like a consistent theme. It's not just, oh, things are happening to this person because she's interesting and we want a plot. It is... Things are happening to this person. She's mad that they keep happening to her. <laughs> Which, like, really does become the core of how the third book plays out. It's really how Mockingjay ends up playing out, is her being like, I'm fucking tired of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it works, but without that interiority, the movies do become very much like a, why is, why is this happening? The, the movies really want to be... Here's an action movie about a girl who has to fight for her life to survive. But the 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 books aren't that. They they're about her like struggling with, you know, the grief of being in the Hunger Games, the uh having to watch a person die around you, having to deal with, you know, Rue who pass who dies in the first one and the she keeps jumping to mind for Katniss as she has to deal with all the Hunger Games stuff that happens. She's not an action hero. She doesn't she doesn't want any of this in a way that is is in a meta text a little annoying to try and read because I'm just like I would love a protagonist who wants something more than just like <laughs> to lay down. Um, <laughs> but but I do think that like we actually get to see what she thinks how she is reacting how she's feeling about things in the book and in the movie it's it's not there jennifer lawrence is trying I, and i think that mm -hmm. i don't think those movies would have done as well with any other actress because jennifer lawrence is great uh she could she can act with half a script yep and so i think that she brings a humanity into the movie that is not really in the script i don't feel um no she puts so much into like the moments of grief and fear and panic she gets to run wild with mm -hmm. are done so well that it also i think draws attention to the parts where the script falls flat without the interiority or the buildup of things yeah like like it really <laughs> falls flat when she tells Peta in the arena, I need you, and then kisses him because you don't have that internal buildup of her being so scared about this. Mm -hmm. It feels like her playing for the cameras again. Yeah, there there were a lot of a lot of times that my wife would turn to me and say, like, oh, the reason they're doing this is because blank. And I was just like, oh, none of that comes through in the movie. It doesn't come through that we're trying to like play to the cameras or try to like I don't know. It, it feels the the movie's trying to do something in earnest that in the book it feels like is very. We are playing to the cameras. We are doing this like to get something, not because we want this to happen. And the movie's just like, what a cool thing to happen. Mm -hmm. 
It's like the movie's tricking itself. <laughs> yeah, which is also really funny. I remember my, my mom talking about it when the movies came out in like a way of, wow, the movies almost miss the po- point and play out the mm-hmm. movie as though like it is the version of the games that people are watching that the Capitol has produced for people to watch. Yeah, yeah, 100%. No, I think that's a really good point about it. It's It's... Uh, it's very much like the, the movies are kind of like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a hunger games? <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the movie equivalent of when tech companies are like, wow, I made this technology from this sci-fi movie. Don't make this technology. <laughs> we're, we're making a movie out of, wouldn't it be fucked up if we put this in a movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, I feel like the few moments of agency that Katniss does have throughout the book like the moments where she gets to make decisions like that is all stuff that gets cut yeah like i think specifically about uh madge a lot which is a thing they cut in the first movie so of course it wasn't going to be in the second movie yeah Um, i i i was surprised reading it where i was just like oh katniss has another friend i'm actually interested in their relationship unlike gail and Peta. Yes, exactly. They completely cut her out. And she's such an interesting character in those books because, like, one, it lets Katniss have a normal friend mm-hmm. who is just someone that she works with and, like, hangs out with. It is also, like, a huge deal in the first book that matches who gives Katniss the Mockingjay pin. That becomes like the whole symbol. And it's interesting because it is the first moment in the books where it points out like, hey, there's this class disparity within District 12. Madge is really well off. She's the mayor's daughter. But they are still struggling compared to the Capitol. They are not on par with the Capitol. And it's that first moment of like solidarity within the classes in the districts versus the Capitol. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think in the in the first movie, she just kind of buys it from a stall at the farmer's market or something. I don't think that it's even... Or maybe someone gives it to her, but it's someone at the... The the row? Is that the name of the place? I, uh, the I, Hob. The Hob. I know that it plays a bigger role in the book than it does in, in the movie, where it's just like, here's a set for two scenes. But yeah, it Whereas, makes it so arbitrary. Mm-hmm. Instead of like an active decision that leads to it making more sense to become a symbol of rebellion. Right. It's, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, she happens to wear this pin instead of it being like, my friend gave me this, I'd like to display it, and then that display becomes a, you decided to display this, and now it's become a big deal. Uh, You didn't know it because, you, you didn't know that the thing on your lapel was like the symbol of a rebellious group that for formed in the past or it was an old symbol or is it just a symbol of the new rebellion i I never quite nailed that down it's just a symbol of the new rebellion but it ends up having more weight at least to katniss personally when she realizes that it had belonged to a previous tribute okay okay gotcha that makes sense um and it acts as like a little bit of a symbol of rebellion to start because the mocking jays are like the thing that the capital didn't create on purpose and have to deal with. Right. 
Yeah, there's uh, a lot on those same lines. The thing that really irked me when I was reading it is that there's a the uh, the plot line in kind of the dead center of the book where Katniss goes into the woods and meets two people who have yes. <laughs> bread emblazoned with a Mockingjay symbol and say, oh, wow, you're her. We're looking for District 13. And they set up like District 13 exists. We want to go there. There is a there is a beyond just there are some districts rebelling rebelling. There is a power in a, in us districts meeting each other and growing together and forming a symbol of rebellion together. That's what District 13 is to us and mm-hmm. saying we're going to go there. And they yes. completely remove this entire scene from the from the book or from the movie. And that whole part is the soul of the book to me. Yes, absolutely. Because it, it, while she's out in the woods, it's when she decides, actually, I don't like the Capitol. It, 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 so watching the movies, it really felt like the the movies wanted to talk a big game about like it's freedom from tyranny and freedom from you know a a freedom from the word that i'm i'm blanking on freedom from a dystopia freedom from this mm-hmm. overarching thing but it never really felt like katniss understood why it was a dystopia other than they put me in the hunger games yes yeah, and and so you know there's no overarching picture in the book, there's the overarching picture. Katniss reflects on yes. the things that she's seen. <laughs> she reflects on the fact that, like, boy, they keep us separated because if we all rose up together, they couldn't stop us. And then you have two characters that are like, we're going to go find a group bringing the districts together. The thing that happens in the quarter quell in order for them to break free of the games itself. Mm-hmm. And they just completely cut this, this like, pivot point out of the movie. Yes. It's baffling Justice to for me. Bonnie and Twill. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge pivot point because Katniss is already thinking about rebellion and this gives her something like way more concrete. It shows that people can get out. It gives her information about what's happening in the other districts. It shows her the things that she's suspecting and like it shows her helping them and it also shows the moment of like her getting fucked over by going into the woods, but it being worth it because when she comes back, the fence is electrified again. Mm-hmm. Which they don't deal with that at all. Right. Well, and in the in the movie, it 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 always feels like, you know, I I, I joked earlier about the fact that everything Katniss does is an accident, but like in the movie, it really feels like she's just like, oh, the fuck, I accidentally became a symbol of a rebellion. And then I, ah, crap, I went on TV and did it again. Whoops, I did it twice in the same exact way. I don't know why, what I was thinking, how that could have happened. And, like, it's just her in the movie, too, whereas it is, like, in the book, it is a continuous thing that she and Peter yes. both keep doing and, it. And, and intentionally in the second one, because she's had this moment of, mm-hmm. I want to fight against the Capitol before in in the in the movie it's it feels so much of i don't want to be in the hunger games and i'm going to be surly about it but mm-hmm. i i'm not going to take that fight beyond any further uh, it, it's it feels like the the conflict is i don't like that i'm in the hunger games and not 
it's fucked up that the Hunger Games exist and they only exist because of the broader structures at play here that we can fight against da 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 da, da, da as it builds out. And that's where the book starts to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, it is a fun movie on its own, but it had the potential to have so much mm-hmm. more going on instead of just being like, oopsie, dystopia. It's it's way more enjoyable than the first movie, but not mm-hmm. enough more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Especially because, like, they make everyone also, this is, like, I feel like this is a related thing, not the exact same thing, but in the movie, everyone is so much more distrustful of each other throughout the Mm -hmm. entirety, except for, like, those few moments where they are all, like, banding together, but it's fewer and farther between instead of it being a consistent thing, like, throughout the trainings and things, too, of all the different tributes who have been brought back Mm -hmm. again hanging out and learning from each other and being fed (laughs) up with the games and like genuinely caring for each other in the arena. Like we never get a sense in the movie that Katniss trusts any of the people they've brought as allies. Whereas in the book, it is very clear that she's like, I hate that I am trusting these people. I hate that I'm going to have to kill Mm -hmm. these people that I trust. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. It grows to a lot more. You're absolutely right. And and you feel for Katniss and you feel for the situation that she's in because we're actually, you know, the first one is very much, how do I make a single friend in the Hunger Games, the boy that I came here with? The second one is, mm-hmm. I, I'm running with a party of, what, six, eight at some point? Like, I have this crew. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can trust them, but what does that mean in a, in a, a situation like these games? And it's a little, it's a little bit underwhelming that, that the answer to that is, well, don't worry. They've all been working together outside of your knowledge all along. So it's okay. They just all like, it's a good thing you trusted them because they've been keeping a secret from you that they all are working together to keep you safe. It kind of really falls flat as an ending, but, um, and, and it is, but it is a better ending than just like, and then they have to fight and Katniss has to deal with the fact that she can't trust them anymore. I don't really want to see that be where it goes, mm-hmm. but I, it is a shame that where it goes is like, I don't know. Don't worry, kid. They've all been on your side the whole time. And it's all they've been planning from the start. No one else is building trust with you. They've all just trusted each other and you from the very beginning. So it's all okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That part is a little bit like, ah, uh, come on. I, <laughs> yeah. I've done a little bit more there. It was really surprising to me. This is changing gears a little bit, um, but mm-hmm. it was really surprising to Go me that it. they cast Philip Seymour Hoffman in the role of the Plutarch, who, I mean, it, it feels stupid to say, yeah, he's really good in this movie. Shocker, Philip Seymour Hoffman is decent <laughs> at acting. But like, in the book, it's such a nothing role. It's, I was really surprised mm-hmm. that uh, half of their initial meeting, the, he, it, it annoys me in books when they do this, but he, he doesn't introduce himself in the book. It is, it is a third person or mm-hmm. you know, first person narration of the montage event that happens of just like, and then I was intra- introduced to the Plutarch who's running the games this year, doing all this in a, in a 
I don't know, a third person description of what happened rather than the first person we're walking through the conversation. Where you get half of the stuff that happens with them earlier is just, oh yeah, by the way, this guy exists. And then later on, he shows up on the, the ship in the end. And again, they, they never do a... That should be the moment in person where he explains, I put together this team and these games to try and make this happen. And instead, you just get a paragraph that is just a summation of the tributes from districts 4, 8, 5, 9, 15, you know, whatever. We're working together to do a plot. They've all been brought together to do this. They were working under the Plutarch the whole time. And it's all in that descriptive point of view rather than a character's point of view explaining why a thing happened or why it was done that way, uh, which was really, really rough to me. And I wish that we had gotten... I assumed he was going to be a bigger character overall and have these explanations since it was a role they gave to Philip Seymour Hoffman. But I, I was really surprised that he was so nothing in this book. Maybe it's just that they knew he's huge in the third. So we got to kind of backfill here. But that's probably it for the casting, honestly, because I think it is like an interesting reveal at the end of the book building into mm -hmm. the third book. But it is very much a, oh, so this guy's going to be important because you cast a big name dude. And what are like the few, they take out so much, but I'm not mad about what they add into the movie. I like those little interstitials between him mm -hmm. and Fresno. I do too. So I think they work for the way the movie is formatted. I think they work for setting it up more. Uh, I think it makes for like just little interesting moments where we get away from the games and into the formatting of it instead, even if it draws away from, even if it's like not in the book, even if there's things cut out from the book that could have been in there, if not for that, I still think it is worth it for us to see President Snow having these moments of, hmm, this is how the games are going. My granddaughter is way too into yeah, I, I love seeing President Snow with his granddaughter who's wearing Katniss's braid. Like that to me, mm -hmm. um, th that feels like a big shifting point of just like, fuck, this is in my family now. Um, yes. And it's like the way they manage to condense like how they don't show that the Mockingjay has become like a big fashion statement in the capital mm -hmm. in the movie. They, they do it instead by having Snow's daughter wear the braid. But it has the yeah. same kind of effect. It, it... Of like, even the capital is not as secure mm -hmm. in what you are doing now. It, it always reminds me of, um, there's the, the Civilization video games where one of the ways that you can win is through a culture victory is what they call it. But the windscreen in one of the games is like one of the other leaders will come to you and be very upset. And he says something along the lines of like, my citizens are wearing your jeans and listening to your music. How dare you? And, and that's kind of where I was just like, oh, shit, Katniss has the cultural victory. Like they're wearing her braid, you know, True. like Snow's granddaughter who you just, you know, he, he clearly is like the most important character to Snow in these movies because she's with him in half the scenes for some reason. Like, she's wearing the braid. She's wearing her jeans and listening to yep. her music, you know? Like, she's got the win and Snow has to do something now. I thought that was a really cool way of showing it. Yeah, definitely. 
So I really like that. I like how they incorporated that. I The thing I don't like that they add to the movies is how much focus they give Gale and the love triangle. And it's only because this came out on the heels of the Twilight movies. Oh, 100%. I, because in the books, it is so clear that Katniss is like not actually romantically interested in Gale and just feels kind of obligated. And it, the books also are not too subtle about being like, hey, Gale isn't really that great and doesn't really think of... Just Sorry, the cat feeder is cat feeding. I was wondering <laughs> what that was. Okay. Automatic feeder. Um but it it's clear that like a gale has his own interests in mind first and foremost every single time yeah if like katniss is putting the pieces together there is still enough instances of it throughout the books that as a reader you can put it together whereas it's like very clear that Peta is like actually worried about her i i mean i do think that there is not to start the shipping wars on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I do think that there's a little bit more to Gale of the like, I don't know. We grew up as best friends. We've, we've known each other for, you know, uh, d- years at this point. I think that there is some. And then this other guy comes in and says, oh, I love you on national TV. And now she's smooching him. And, you know, I, on oh, on sure. international television. And I think that there is some... I think there's more to a triangle than you're saying, but it does feel like a really weak triangle. It doesn't feel yes, like... it is a weak triangle. And it, and it does it feels more like there is a guy back home who she always saw herself being with just out of comfort and necessity and, like, tradition than anything else. And then there's this newer guy that comes in and starts doing all these big things that interrupt her plans in the same way that the Hunger Games have. Um, yes. But like, I I also don't. It's not like Gail and Peter are ever directly fighting over her or anything like that, and it never. It it feels more like in the book she's trying to work out like how she actually feels about Peter, and kind of how she feels about Gale, but never in the sense of like, it never feels like there are two guys that I like, who do I pick, Mm -hmm. which is the Twilight model. And it feels more like there are two guys that I could like. Do I like either of them? Yes. Yeah, that is the difference. One's my fake boyfriend. We got to the Capitol and there was only one bed. (gasps) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is weird how much of a focus. I it, it's it, it it never feels like Team Gale or Team Peta in the same way that like Team Edward, Team Jacob were back in yes. the day. But it feels like they tried really hard to be like, no, this is what's happening. Oh, they did. They tried so hard. Hot mm-hmm. Topic was so full of merchandise. I I have a Peta blanket uh in the back of my car. <laughs> J- I <laughs> uh, Josh Hutcherson uh, uh is actually from. Uh, like two towns over from me. Um, oh, hell yeah. So I, I met him once growing up and he was rude to me because we were really? in middle school. We were in middle school and I don't like, I don't hold it against him. Everyone's <laughs> a dick fair. in middle, middle school. That's middle schoolers are like that. 
Uh, but I did tell the story once at college, and so people got me merch and stuff as a as a bit where they were just like, "Here's your Hunger Games blanket." So that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing that stood out to me: I didn't realize how much Josh Hutcherson looks like Tom Holland. <laughs> to the point that I was like, "Oh, when they cast Tom Holland, are they just trying to like?" get another one of the Hunger Games kids? Because it kind of felt that way. Like, they swung and missed the first time, and they wanted to tee up and go again. Yeah. Wow, I could see that, actually. I feel like they have the same kind of vibe for casting. Yeah. They have the same, like, jaw and mouth shape or something. There's something about... I don't know. They got the same bone structure. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I think just like most of the issues and changes are the fact that we don't get the same kind of interiority. We don't, yeah, there's no interiority and they don't, they don't try to give Katniss any kind of interiority, it feels like. Mm -hmm. It it feels like they, I don't, I don't, it's, it's so weird, it's so weird to me that they cut the scene where she meets the two people going to District 13, because that feels like it's such a, I assumed it was because they didn't know like when they were doing this, they the book hadn't come out or something for the third one. And so they were just like, we don't know exactly how this is going to go. So we cut that scene and then they kicked themselves later for not including it. But no, it sounds like they just cut they it just out cut for it. no real reason. I mean, other than the fact that the movie was already like two and a half hours long. It's such a long movie and it's so focused on the games themselves because of course it is. That's the visual part. That's the part that like advertisers got excited about because... Mm-hmm. Hollywood and the Capitol are the same. <laughs> you could cut a scene of them fighting monkeys in a swamp to include yeah. a character moment. Yeah. It's... Yeah, because they could have, even in the like training section, Like, it really bothers me that their like, first hint that something is going on with people protecting PETA and Katniss is... Uh, they, they call them the Morphlings, which feels fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, First I didn't. All, that's pretty fucked up. Uh, um, Sam Sam called them the Morphlings, and I thought, oh yeah, because they're dressed up like, or they like disguise themselves really well. It makes sense that they call them that. And then I was reading, and I was like, oh, it's morphine. They're drug yep. addicts. Yes, exactly. Oh. So fucked up, but they skip over like all the moments of them and PETA bonding in the training, all of the camouflage work that they do together. Mm-hmm. Which, like, is one, a bummer with, like, thematic consistently consistency because that's how PETA made it as far as he did before Katniss found him. Right, dressed up like a that. tree. And it gives, like, a greater weight to one of them saving PETA. They had bonded. They knew each other. But in the movie, he just goes, I didn't even know her name. (laughs) He's like, hey, man. Yeah. I was confused as to why they were like, oh, she sacrificed herself for you. And I was like, I don't think that's what happened because they have never interacted before. But Mm -hmm. in reading the book, yeah, they have. And it feels weird that they would pull that line without any of the preceding reasons that they would have done that. Mm Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Like, again, I think as a standalone movie and, like, within the trilogy, it is much better than the first movie. It is a fun watch, but it just kind of falls flat and becomes a YA dystopia. 
it's cutter form. It's weird because they don't even do my big gripe with the with the movies and with the book as well. They don't really do a dystopia very well. They they don't really show what's wrong with the capital. They they have a couple of like small little things, but they never really dig into like here is why the capital is such a bad place that we would build up District 13 to fight against it. It's always just kind of like, oh, President Snow's bad because he's in charge and he's a bad guy. It it feels very loose and very uh, vacant. Where, like, the biggest argument is the Hunger Games exist. But it's not like they're launching an attack because the Hunger Games exist. It's not like they're, like, stop stealing our kids and making them fight a death fight. It's... I don't know. It feels weird that I don't know anything politically about the capital. I just know their media consumption habits. Yeah. And I can infer some things about how it works based on the fact that they have the arena, but I don't know. It feels, it feels like for as much as Katniss gets dragged along into everything without fully understanding things, I feel like I also get dragged along without fully understanding things just because they never explain it and they never like dig into it or give you a reason to feel bad except that like, well, of course, it's the Empire. Like, you got to fight back against the Empire, TM. And Mm -hmm. but to make that work, you got to really show. And that's something the movies never really do because they want to they want to be excited by the big Hunger Games and they want to show all the fun costumes you get to design for the people of the Capitol. Exactly. And like, I think the the first book, it does set that up better. Okay. Because you get that interiority that in the first book and like the way District 12 works and the lives people have there instead of just flashing through Katniss's little hunting excursions right before getting called into the games. Gotcha. So you get like a little more of that as a setup, especially when they're like in the capital for the first time in the first book, you get a lot more of the descriptions of how things work what's going on because they really just kind of skip over some of the more fucked up things in the movies which to be fair pg-13 rating sure Mm -hmm. so they don't get into like the details about the a boxes really yeah we were like two-thirds of the way through the second movie and i do remember turning to sam and being like hey what's up with the guy in the back Mm -hmm. uh because they never showed an a box in the first one and so you know, I'm four hours into watching Hunger Games content and I see a character behind everyone who's just like a bandaged face with eyes looking over everyone. And I was like, hey, what's the deal there? Because they have not shown or mentioned anything related to anything like that so far. Mm-hmm. Whereas it gets like way more into that in the first book because Katniss, the, the Avox that's assigned to her, she saw get picked up by the capital in the woods when mm-hmm. she was younger and recognizes her and learns like what they are. She mentioned that in the second book. And then in the, in the second book, there's another character that gets turned into an Avox who's mm-hmm. her old, um, you know, the old peacekeeper in charge of her district who was, you know, chill for an officer or whatever. Yeah. So you, you lose a lot of, 
the world building in the movies because the movies are like, wow, isn't this cool and fun and fucked up to watch? I yeah, I do think the 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 idea that you said of that Hollywood is the capital is really like, I think that is the biggest thing in in this adaptation is that like, it really is you can't see the forest through the trees when that's how you're trying to adapt this and that's what you're, you know that's what your producers want to make and want to film and where you want to go. You've got a whole department set up to say like, wow, aren't the looks of the capital workers cool? When the entire point of the way that the capital workers look is that like, <laughs> you know, our hands look like this so the capital can dress like that, right? Like, yeah. And then you get a costume department that's like, wow, look how cool we can make them. Which to be fair, <laughs> costumes are great. Most of them were uh, Alexander McQueen designs. Oh, nice. We love to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To be, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. Costumes are great. Visual effects look pretty good. Nothing really looked super like dated or out of place. Like the movie looked no, great and it shot it well. It looks great. It, some of the visual effects annoy me purely because they try to go for a really sterile, futuristic-y vibe. Whereas yeah. like some of the things in the book are very much more analog or gaudy or golden and things like that. Like the the movie cornucopia is so boring, Andrew. It is <laughs> Just really bits dull. Bits of metal. Instead of a cool golden thing. It doesn't even look like a cornucopia. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) They could have had fun. Or like even in the training, how like the difference between uh, Katniss shooting arrows in the book is that there's like a person at the station and he's got like bird targets to throw for her Mm -hmm. and things to operate. There are people operating all the training stations and people doing the trainings and it's all just digital and other humans she fights a vr laser game in the in the movie yes and it's like wow you wanted a partnership (laughs) with the nintendo wii to make a game (laughs) katniss's crossbow adventures (laughs) (laughs) but like overall it is a very visually well done yeah, it is. I do think I do think that you are right that it is very um, visually well done, but bland. Yes, Bl- bland is the correct word. It's just like your your rough draft. Uh, what does opulence and excess look like? Here you go. Sure, it's like mm-hmm. me if I found an extra twenty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, were there any other big notes you want to hit? Because I. Also know that I need to wrap up fairly soon. I I think that's about it for me. I, I It has been weird to dip back and do a thing that I've... Now that I'm 10 years older than I... I fuck, now that I'm 15 years older than I was when I wrote it off the first time, uh, it is weird to go back to a thing that I was quote-unquote too old for back in the day. Um, <laughs> but it's it's been interesting revisiting them. and or not, not even re. It's been interesting visiting them. For the very yeah, first time. It, yeah, it was it was fun to revisit it, honestly, because I remember loving Catching Fire when I read it the first time, when I was like 12 or 13, whatever it was. And I have like very distinct memories of certain scenes and reading them for the first time and just going, oh. <laughs> and it was fun to come back to it as an adult and be like, oh no, I'm still picking up what it's putting down here. And enjoying this read and like the fact that some of the scenes 
Whereas like when I was a teenager reading it, I'm like, cool, cool, this is happening. And reading it as an adult, I'm like, oh, they're standing in solidarity together. (laughs) (laughs) I do think when I was when I was a kid, I was very much like, I don't know, I've read Hunger Games or I've, I've read I've read Battle Royale and this can't possibly be better than that. And I do think watching the first two of these, I'm just like, I do feel like everything that they did in the arena is just stuff done better in Battle Royale. So if if y'all want to check out a book, you can read the first one that did this idea. (laughs) Translations are weird, but give it a shot. Yeah, definitely. It's like within the, the arena, there's Battle Royale, but it is the stuff outside of the arena within the books that compels me. Yeah. To read them. Well, yeah, the stuff outside is what's actually interesting in these books, which makes it a real shame yes. that they decide to go and focus so hard on the arena itself when exactly they're not doing anything remotely interesting with the battle royale concept. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like I like death games. I like reading that kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> manga and stuff like that and so it is kind of like oh this is a fa- this is the famous one this is the you know this and Fortnite. those are the two that really caught on in the imagination huh did they ever put katniss in Fortnite? <laughs> uh, they had to have or they should is Hold katniss on. in Fortnite? first response reddit thread i don't think katniss everdeen <laughs> will be added to Fortnite. 2021, Fortnite leaks hint at Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games. <laughs> Apparently it was a scrapped collaboration. Damn. Would anything really miss the point quite like putting Katniss in Fortnite? Uh, no, I think that would be poetic cinema. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, so that will bring us to our wrap-up questions then. First thing, if you had to change one thing... I think I already know your answer, but if you had to change one thing in this movie, in this adaptation, what would you change? What would you fix? If I only got one, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I would re-add that scene and then cut the monkeys, keep it the same Perfect. length, and then we've got it. We got our movie. Just re-add. We actually meet people, learn about District Thirteen, find out, and let Katniss say the words, "I don't like the Capitol, and I would like to rebel against them." A phrase she never says in the, in, in the movies. 100% in agreement. Um, and do you think this is a good adaptation? Scale of 1 to 10, does it like use the medium well? Is it a good adaptation of the book? Is it a good use of adaptation? I... I think it's fine. I think that my my contrarian take is that I I I'm not big into this book. I I don't I don't like either of these a whole lot. So I I'm not super like broken hearted that the adaptation focuses in a different way. But it is a shame that the adaptation pulls away from Katniss and more toward the spectacle of the Hunger Games itself. So I think that it kind of fails there in being an adaptation that misses the point of the movie itself, or, you know, misses the point of the media that it's adapting. But I do like some of the changes of, by not being so strictly adhering to Katniss's viewpoint at any given time, we do get things like seeing President Snow and his granddaughter. We get to see Plutarch 
actually be a character and say things about who he is and what he thinks in a way that we never really get characters doing in that, you know, in the version of the story that exists in the book. So I like those adaptational changes, but I do think overall it just kind of misses the mark of wanting to be a Hunger Games sequel first and foremost instead of being a continuation of the Hunger Games story. So like a five, does that sound fair for everything I just said? I think a five sounds fair for that. All right. (laughs) I do think it's the best of the movies, and I do think it's the best of the books, but that's kind of where we are on both sides. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is, is it a good movie just on its own? That's such a hard question to ask about a to ask about a sequel. Um, is it a good movie it's on a its... good movie? I think it's a pretty good movie. It's well shot. It's well edited. The acting's all really good. There's script issues I have, but I've seen worse movies for sure. <laughs> so are we still thinking a five or are we thinking like a six? I'm keeping it a five. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Normally I do more research into the adaptation process to talk about throughout the episodes and like why the changes are made. Mm-hmm. But basically everything I found for this was, eh, didn't feel like spending the money on it. There were a lot of things that felt like they kind of did, they kind of, it really felt like they did the cheapest version of the thing they were doing. Because um, mm-hmm. one thing and that... While focusing on like the capital spectacle, because like apparently the the like... Part of the promotion for Catching Fire still completely misses, like, completely misses the point of the books in that they were doing like fake capital magazines to promote the movie with like the photo shoots of the wedding dresses and stuff like that. (laughs) And that was how they promoted the movie. See, I think that that can work, like, but you have to know how tongue in cheek it is. And I doubt they're being tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. They did it without any self-awareness. God. Yeah. <sighs> well, it's been it's been an interesting sequel without having visited the first <laughs> one. Um, Andrew, thank you for being on today's episode. Is there anything you'd like to to plug? Any social media or things coming up? Uh, oh God, so much and nothing specific. Uh, thank thank you so much for having me. If you like this show, you probably know about uh, the Moonshot Network. That is the the, the network that this podcast is on. Uh, but we have a lot of other great shows, too. Uh, check out moonshotpods.com. We've got so much cool stuff. If you like Twitch streams, we do uh, weekly streams. I think we've got like five weekly shows, uh, or at least bi-weekly, that you can find at moonshot.move or just twitch uh, slash moonshot network. I, I'm willing to bet that if you like this show, and if you liked me, uh, you'll find something else that you like on our site, and I would recommend you check it out. But there are so many cool things that I can't narrow it down to just one. <laughs> Except for, uh, you know what? You know what? You want to hear a, a podcast about a show that definitely understands what it is and doesn't miss the mark in any way? Uh, my podcast, Mild Mannered, is a show about <laughs> the, the TLC reality dating show, Milf Manor. Uh, I do it with my mom. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a good so podcast, good. <laughs> the best podcast I've ever made. It's so good. I think about mild-mannered every day. Me too. <laughs> it it feels weird to know that I'm just like, ah, I've I've uh I've uh, I've peaked. I've I've made the best podcast I'll ever make. 
Fantastic. Is there anywhere where you'd like people to find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on X, the everything app. I am at co-host Sherms. Uh, I think I'm on that same name, but with all the blue sky dot social stuff after it on blue sky. Um, those are really the only two I use these days. And that's, that's flickering. So uh, shoot me an email, moonshotnetwork at gmail.com. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, as always, I am your host, Emma. You can find me on Twitter because I refuse to give that man the satisfaction of calling the website what he's changed it to. And also, I'm lazy. <laughs> I just uh, think it's funny to call it X the everything app and hear people's spines crumble. I am going to label them separately in the show notes. I will say that you can find Perfect. Andrew on Thank X you. the everything app. Don't Thank worry. you. Thank you. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at EmmaSCA. That's E-M-A-T-S-C-A. You can find the podcast at Unselect Pod. As Andrew mentioned, we are a part of the Moonshot Podcast Network. Uh, and the music for the show was composed by Jake Lawrence. You can find him on Bandcamp at amaranthine.bandcamp.com. Uh, and as always, let us make your movie. We know what we're doing. Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty-three, forty-two. Andrew, Andrew, what are you doing? Oh, hey, Marn. Uh, so I'm playing through an alternate reality game, and there's a number station puzzle that we just can't solve. Uh huh. Yeah. So I tried everything else, and I figured that the best way to solve it would be to get into its head and think like a number station. I've been saying numbers into microphones for hours. Okay. Well, I I think I have a better idea. What's that? You could just listen to the Argonauts podcast. Every two weeks, I could let you know the ins and outs of old Args and give you a deep dive on how they were created. Uh, do you think we could like have a nuanced discussion about game-making philosophy and how cultures around games have changed as well? Yeah, and you can definitely continue to fail to solve old Args along the way. Well, it sure would be cool if that was a podcast you could find to bung with a bunch of other great shows over on the Moonshot Network. You know, it sure would. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for the invite. Uh, anyways, I'm going to get back to this, though. 23. 19. Okay. <laughs>